Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1355, air date November 10th, 2023. Okay, because I'm also making sure we're streaming here, and John's also doing that. John, are we all started here, right? Okay, so I'm going to just uh, share yours full screen here so we can start. Good, Suleiman, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Brilliant, brilliant. Let's go into it. I can't see the comments on mine, so I'm just going to rely on you, Ryan, to let me know if there's any comments that, that I need to... Okay, so I'm just going to rely on you, Ryan, because I can't see any of the comments. But um, I'm doing brilliant. And first of all, we appreciate you having us on. I want to go get immediately into this, because I read some of your tweets, and I've seen your poster about what you're planning for tomorrow. And you, and we spoke a little bit as well today, and you spoke and you explained how you've been highlighting this issue since 1981, before I was even born. And so, really? and now 2023, and there are some people now starting to talk about it, right? So the first question is, what was it like in 1981 when you initially, the light bulb turned on, you immediately start talking about the Zionist control of the very of various aspects of society. What what did you see in 1981, and why is it that it took everybody until 2023, or most people in 2023, to realize that the problem that we have? Well, Suleiman, I think um, people need to recognize this is, in many ways, uh, this whole area of apartheid, the concept of one group thinking they're better than another group, is very personal to me. Um, to just give you a little bit of uh, perspective, when this issue took place in Gaza, you will notice a bunch of these Brahmins in India, the Brahmin upper caste system, quote unquote Hindus, all came out in support of Netanyahu and were yeah. fine uh, with Palestinians being butchered, if you notice that. And so yeah. this is very interesting because there's a deep parallel um, between Brahminism as you know, India has a caste system and I would argue Zionism. And I don't know if anyone's done any work on this. It's probably a good PhD thesis for someone to do. But let me explain what I mean. Um, there's Hinduism, right? This religion called Hinduism. And it's, it's a, quite, frankly, it's a quite a disorganized religion. Um, but nonetheless, one aspect that developed was a political ideology, which took aspects of Hinduism and baked it into something called the Brahmanical caste system. Um, and that caste system model basically said that a finite set of people, 0.001% of people who called themselves Brahmins, the upper caste, were better than the rest of the other people. You know, and then they had some gradations, right? It was a little more actually more refined. Um, and I grew up as a child in India in that caste system, Suleiman. Uh, my earliest yeah. memories I've shared with others was a four-year-old kid um, coming to uh, terms with this caste system. I was playing soccer with a friend of mine or what you would call football on a very hot day. And I remember going to, to his home and his mother shooed me away, wouldn't let me into her house. I was treated with very uh, 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 derogatory terms equivalent to the N word that they call black people today in the United States and told to stay out of the house and given water in a different cup. And when I went home that um, afternoon, I asked my mother and she said, oh, there's a caste system in India when she would go to the well to get water, they would shoo her away, all right? So the caste system has nothing, frankly, to do, the Brahmanical caste system of denigrating people 
with Hinduism, right? It was something that was a political ideology that got created, taking some, you know, elements of it to basically subjugate one people over another. Sound very, very familiar? And that's what Zionism is. And so when I came to the United States as a child, I was aware of this. I grew up in working class neighborhoods in New Jersey. And then when I came to MIT, which I didn't even know about until literally two weeks before I applied. And, and that's also an important story because, you know, when my parents came to the United States, we went to different public schools. My parents were very, frankly, very of modest uh, background. They worked very hard. Um, and in my last three years of high school, Suleiman, my parents moved to one of the uh, uh, wealthier public school systems in New Jersey. We originally started in Patterson, which is one of the poorest school systems, predominantly African-Americans, and then moved to Clifton, which was working class, whites and blacks, and then Persephone, which was against working class. But the last three years, we moved to Livingston, New Jersey. Um, by the way, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump lived in Livingston, just give you the idea of that town, but it's predominantly Jewish people. And, and Jewish people thought they were the chosen people of God, frankly. And my sister and I were the only dark-skinned um, Indian kids, for that matter, dark-skinned kids. And the Jewish parents would send their kids to Israel. And these were very nice kids, but they would come back after that summer wanting to kill every Arab. And I remember this, they were fanatics. It was something, some training that they'd gone through and it was quite unfortunate. But I remember, because I did well in sports and school, and this was not supposed to happen because uh, they were the chosen people, right? So no one told me about MIT, believe it or not, which was interesting because I got 800s on my SATs. I won all the math awards, you know, very good in science, created the first email system when I was 14 years old. You would think someone would say, hey, there's a school called MIT. It was randomly two weeks before I applied to MIT. My mother was always helping people. She'd help these two women who were kicked out of their home stay in our home. And they had a friend and this gentleman said, oh, you should apply to MIT called the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I actually thought it was a mental institute. I had no interest in going, filled out the application, got accepted. And then my high school teachers got interested. In fact, my physics teacher was tattooed, had the tattoo of, she said, one of the Holocaust numbers, right? And then she said, oh yeah, you should go to MIT because you know it's a great school, but they didn't tell me anything about it before that. And later I came to find out that it was very valuable for them because when students go to a place like MIT increases the prestige of the high school. So that whole journey was interesting, right? C coming to MIT. And when I came to MIT, I was very, very interested in systems, Suleiman, um, systems of power. Um, I had enough degree uh, credits to leave MIT in two years so there was a professor at MIT, and he's no longer there, by the name of Noam Chomsky. And Chomsky was a, you know, people used to call him an anti-Semite, even though he was Jewish. Um, Chomsky would rail against Zionism. Um, and I studied about the Indian caste system with him. I have differences with Chomsky on other areas. Uh, but nonetheless, I started to learn about systems of power. We organized a newspaper at MIT with a single flyer. And we started, and this was in 1981, we started agitating on all sorts of issues. Um, you may remember, or you may not remember around that time, many universities had investments in South Africa. And there was a huge divestment movement. Um, uh, uh, South Africa had the system of apartheid where large uh, uh, sets of black people weren't given voting rights, right? We're gi weren't given rights at all. They had to carry IDs and a small set of white people subjugated them. So. I was one of the leaders in the anti-apartheid movement. 
And that's when I started realizing that South Africa, and a lot of people don't know this, South Africa and Israel had very close connections, Mossad. In fact, there was data even back then that South Africa and Israel had created nuclear weapons together, violating many, many different agreements. So the awareness of you know, uh, Zionism, its relationship with apartheid in South Africa was actually quite uh, direct. And, um, and in that time, you know, in the, in the mid 80s, early 80s, um, there was a guy called Mir Kahana. You can look him up, M-E-I-R Kahana, a rabid Zionist, quote unquote, rabbi who wanted to just butcher all the Palestinians. So I organized one of the largest demonstrations against him at a university called Brandeis University, which is a predominantly a lot of um, uh, Jewish kids go there. And so, um, but the central piece of all of this, Suleiman, was this fundamental view um, that I was opposed to that a small set of people should think they're better than other people. It's racism, it's apartheid, it's casteism, right? And so to me, it was personal, but it was also um, this sense of racism, right? So, um, by the time I was 18, 19, I'd come to formulate after my own readings that Zionism was a political ideology. It was really racism. It was anti-Semitic at its core, and it actually served imperial interests. So when you unravel history, and it's fascinating watching some of these Zionist hoodlums argue with people, they start with the assumption as though they have a right to be in Palestine, and then everything starts from that. But the reality was that Theodore Herzl, who was actually an atheist, um, created this political ideology called Zionism out of, frankly, thin air. Um, he, uh, Zionists collaborated with the Nazis. In fact, they disarmed Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto revolts. Many, many incidents like this. So Zionism was somehow conflated with Judaism. Um, and what you find is that Zionism, the definition of Zionism, it's a racist political ideology that was weaponized by British and, and U.S. Uh, imperial and colonial interests to make sure that that area, Palestine, could be occupied for British and um, uh, U.S. imperial interests, period. And it still is for that purpose. And so in, in the part of this, the Jewish people and the Palestinian people have been victimized. And so true Jews will argue that there should not ever be a Jewish state and that it, it is occupied land of the Palestinian people. But fundamentally, Zionism is racism in the service of imperialism. And if people understand that nugget, you know, everything else, uh, the solution is you have to declare your independence from Zionism, whoever you are, Muslim, Hindu, Jew, Christian. Um, and the United States in particular, because 70 million, there's 70 million quote unquote Christian Zionists, which is actually an oxymoron in the United States. There's more Christian Zionists than there are Jewish Zionists. Um, and this is something people need to recognize. And that's why the United States has been occupied. And people need to understand the United States is now occupied by Zionism. And one of the central control centers of that is Harvard University. Harvard is not just a university and more specifically the Kennedy School of Government. Most of us, when the Kennedy School of Government was being built in the early 80s, all of us knew it was going to be was going to be a center for training ground for the CIA, center for training ground for Mossad, its direct connections with the military industrial complex, and it's called the Kennedy School of Government. John Kennedy was not a nice man. He was a reckless individual who was a massive imperialist. And, you know, uh, there's a video I have called A Swarm. Um, 
the establishment has created all these auras around the Kennedys. The Kennedys are part of an organized crime family. And we are taught to feel sympathy that maybe the CIA knocked them off. Well, whether it's the CIA, the FBI, the Kennedys, it's all different wings of organized crime. Uh, but it was John Kennedy who brought in Henry Kissinger, a warmonger, into the White House, who literally created the domino theory, which basically rationalized why we should go butcher, you know, halfway around the world, yellow people, Vietnamese. And he's the one who opened U.S. imperialism into Vietnam. Uh, but it was John Kennedy who was an imperialist. So it's no coincidence that the Kennedy School of Government is named after him. So, so we, you know, we're in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right here, Suleiman, about you know, less than a half a mile is the Kennedy School of Government. So I've been in, in this world um, since 1981, man, it's what, 30, 42, 42 years now. So it's, it's fascinating for me that life brought me into Cambridge, Massachusetts, which in many ways is really the sewer that fee, feeds a global Zionist swarm. And you can go into, you know, you can, if you stand in the middle of Harvard Square, you'll see Harvard University, you will see the Kennedy School of Government in one direction, Harvard Law School in another direction, where the scumbag Dershowitz operates. And by the way, Dershowitz was the first one who put out the thesis that all those students who protested should be denied jobs. Okay, then Bill Ackman came in, okay? It was this scumbag Alan Dershowitz who did that. And he's a raving Zionist lunatic who's always given mainstream media attention, okay? Because he just barks all day long. Well, he was, he was, he not only, he was part of the ADL, he was part of lawsuits involved in the ADL. He was part of the Twitter space with Elon Musk, where they were basically telling Elon, there was eight rabbis who were basically sat down, Zionist ones who basically, and Shapiro, who sat down and told Elon Musk off. So he is a very horrendous individual. And you're right. He was the person, again, who was trying to basically dox the Harvard students, make them lose their positions in the university, and also make them lose their potential careers because some of them had um, job offers that were basically taken away. So you're quite right. Sorry, Dr. Shiva, please continue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and what's interesting is when we put up our flyer, Suleiman, right? Um, and I don't know if I can share that here. I may be able to. I may not be. I don't think. Uh, can I? I think uh, I can share my flyer here. Let me see. I can share it here. Yeah. So when we put up this flyer, um, the first version of the flyer that we put up, Suleiman, if you can bring it up, um, I think this is the one, right? Actually, let me come back. Um, I don't know if you can see it. Um, can you see it? Yeah. You can yeah. scroll down. Yeah. So let me, let me scroll down on my side here. So this was a flyer um, that we put up right here. And um, we made the flyer. I mean, it's sort of very, very colorful, right? We're using these very bright colors. But it says Workers March. And why do we say that? Because, you know, I, by the way, separate from running for president, being a political activist, I work full time. I'm, I'm a full time engineer, full time scientist. You know, I still do a lot of research in molecular systems theory and computational biology. So on Saturday, we invited working people to come out. We have truck drivers coming out, computer programmers, nurses, teachers, et cetera. And that's very important because it's very valuable students protest. But when working people come out, this really scares the establishment. So we really wanted to honor those people coming out. And it's, you know, tomorrow, uh, this Saturday, November 11th at 11 a.m. So we chose 11, 11, 11, uh, just good numbers. But part of what we're saying is Harvard is Zionism's headquarters. So you have a scumbag like Dershowitz there. You have Bill Ackman, 
um, head, uh, you know, who's graduated there. Ben Shapiro's graduated there. Booby fucking Kennedy, as I call him, Robert Kennedy's graduated from there. Okay. All of these people are Zionists and you can keep going down the list. Thousands of Zionists have graduated from here um, and they don't have to be Jewish, right? Catholic Zionists, uh, Christian Zionists, etc. But part of the messaging here is that if we want to free Palestine, I mean, I've been watching this, um, you know, uh, free Palestine movement since 1981. It's historically been dominated by the liberal Zionists who keep saying ceasefire now. To me, ceasefire now is not the right slogan because it means two steps forward for the Israelis and one step back, which means they move forward, take more land, and then ceasefire, move forward, come back. The real slogan should be end the Zionist occupation of Palestine and America. And that's how we're going to free the world because fundamentally America has been uh, occupied. And so we want working people to unite. And we're very bold in saying defeat Zionism. We don't want to pussyfoot around on this because the liberal Zionists who have literally occupy most of these movements do not want to talk about Zionism because it may have to force to put a mirror on them. And tomorrow when I talk, Suleiman, I'm going to really give a thing that every working person can do for one hour to really support ending the genocide of Palestinians and enslaving people. But right after we put this out, um, literally, uh, we put it about four days, three days ago. The next day, the Harvard president issued a letter, you may have seen it, uh, which basically said that um, no one should basically condemning slogans with from the river to the sea. And I said it was condemned by Her Majesty. Now, um, I've been involved also in many, many massive free speech movements but this is a direct violation of free speech. And basically what it's fundamentally saying is that somehow, uh, you know, Zionists get a carve out of the First Amendment, right? That they get certain protections that no one else gets. Um, you know, in, in 2018, um, myself and a bunch of people, young people that organized the biggest free speech um, rally in Boston. And the mayor of Boston and the uh, governor branded our rally as a Nazi rally because we had invited people of all spectrums. We invited right wing, left wing, Green Party, um, you know, uh, communists, non all different people. It was truly a free speech rally. And I was holding banners of, you know, black lives do matter. No, you know, uh, clean water and no to GMOs. And they had riled up 40,000 people, Suleiman. You can see it if you go look at it. 40,000 people to show up against us because we were actually holding a real free speech rally. So the notion of free speech when it comes to Zionism is basically, it almost seems like there's the U.S. Constitution. There's two U.S. Constitutions, one constitution for them and another U.S. Constitution for us. And this maps out with the fact that nearly four, 355, 365 people in Congress are funded by APAC. Okay which is the largest Israeli Zionist lobby in the United States. So every presidential candidate, except me, is Zionist. Every single one of them on, on the stage. Booby Kennedy, Joe Biden, uh, I call him you know, Donald Trump. Go down the list, all of them. They all have to bow down to Zionism. So you really have to wonder who has occupied America. Is it the American people or is it Zionist? 97% of the senators voted to support the butchering of Palestinians in the recent vote, right? They all supported it. When in fact, 65% of the 
of people under the age of 44 in the United States are against sending weapons to Israel. That was a CBS poll that was done on October 19th. So let me repeat, 65% of people under the age of 44 are under sending weapons to Israel. And 52% of all Americans are against sending weapons. And this is by a mainstream media poll. Yet 97% of US senators are supporting sending weapons to Israel. And more importantly, this nut job, Mike Johnson, who was just elected the Speaker of the House in the United States, the second in command to become the next, he could become the president, right? If um, He's a fanatic Christian Zionist, right? He passed two proclamations within almost 72 hours of getting into his position. One was to send weapons to Israel. The second one was use any means necessary to take out Iran if they got a nuclear weapon, including supporting Israel. So America has been occupied by Zionism. I'll repeat it again. Not only has Palestine been occupied, but the Palestinian occupation could not take place if it wasn't for Zionist occupation of the United States. And that means all the working people in the United States are ultimately saves, slaves to Zionism. So working people in the United States, Suleiman, and, and the people of Palestine have the same enemy, it's Zionism. And that's the awakening that needs to take place. Because the same people that printed $8 trillion when Obama was there, right, to save the bankers in uh, all the big banks, the same people printed $8 trillion when Trump was in office to save all the big pharma uh, organizations. All of this is Zionists moving capital around, right? Federal Reserve is controlled by Zionists. All the big banks are controlled by Zionists. Academia is controlled by Zionists. You can't, if you're an academic, you can't write anything against Zionism. You're gone. You're gone. You can't be anti-Zionist and be in Hollywood. If you notice two weeks ago, there was a petition run in Hollywood that I think this woman Gal Gadot or someone started, which was basically to say, yes, we support the butchering of Palestinians. I'm giving sort of the, 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 the uncensored version of it. And all of the A-list people signed that petition. You know, Hollywood has a caste system, A-list actors, B-list actors, C-list actors. And so all the A-list actors signed it because if they don't sign it, they're going to be out of work. But it's fascinating was the C-list and B-list actors signed the other one, which was, you know, against the occupation of Palestine, right? So Hollywood, the entertainment industry is controlled by Zionists. And by the way, you don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist, right? Uh, the financial systems, the academic systems, et cetera. America is occupied by Zionism. I think the fortunate thing we have in this very unfortunate situation, Suleiman, with what's happening to the Palestinians, for the first time, we can, I believe, can have a real discussion about Zionism and anti-Semitism, right? That, that Zionism is actually anti-Semitic. Zionism is racism. Zionism is a political ideology. And that's a very good thing. So we want to to really um, let people inspire people to recognize that uh, you have to be bold on this. When it comes to Zionism, it's black and white. You can't be Zionist and pro-Palestinian. I'm sorry. That's what Bill Ackman says he is. This is bullshit. It's like saying I'm not, I'm Nazi, but I'm pro-Jewish. Are you? Bill, Bill Ackman is just manipulating because if you look at his words, He's actually not pro-Palestinian. He was attacking them, but in a very manipulative manner. Exactly. So he was trying to make the fallacious argument that Palestine should have become like Singapore. 
when they have no autonomy they don't control their air land or space like it's just a ridiculous manipulative post that only works on the very feeble minded now i do have a question for you and it's something we discussed before you came on i said that what we're seeing is almost the destruction of the west because they told us they believed in democracy and then you just explained the polls of how people in the very there's only a few countries who voted uh, sorry nearly all countries voted for a ceasefire there's only a few that voted against it but even in those countries such as the US the vast majority of the people as you said are actually against it so again what's so good about democracy if there is a few people who the zionists can control and force them to do something in addition to that you talked about freedom of speech and freedom of expression how there's two constitutions essentially but what the argument is is basically they showed that when it came down to it even the first amendment can be ripped up and thrown away because zionism becomes before that and so freedom of speech and freedom of expression has no value so i mean what's your thoughts on my argument or the thoughts of what we were saying before which is that essentially what's happened now is the masks are off and what is shown is almost this may be the destruction of the west in terms of the ideals of proposed to the world yeah i mean i think you're bringing up a good point look if you so if you look at the presidential race um and you really look at it um all of these politicians are all bullshitters okay but when it comes to zionism their fangs we can expose them okay you have one you know uh booby kennedy as i call him acts like he's from medical freedom okay and i've been exposing this guy he's really not for medical freedom he, he actually believes in supporting big pharma companies to create quote unquote safe vaccines and we can have a larger argument on this but his family has been involved in supporting big pharmaceutical institutions from 1962 it was john kennedy who created the national vaccination act his brother ted kennedy who murdered someone here john kennedy's brother created the national vaccine injury program to protect big pharma and booby bob whatever rfk whatever his name is right that he uses um he actually wants to have safe vaccines and he's going to create more bureaucracy the bottom line is exposing him on that issue is an educational process some people get it other people don't right but fundamentally he is a phony a fraud even on that issue but when it comes to zionism he exposes his fangs fully right if you look on october 7th you know i you know i was the only presidential candidate who came out against this i said this is uh self-serving for netanyahu there was going to be a civil war in israel he you know it was israel who funded hamas right uh they he he let this uh, occur because he needed a war right he needed a massacre booby kennedy was promote he said this is ignominious we should fully defend israel let the butchering begin bernie sanders said the same thing donald trump sa said the same thing right every single candidate so when it comes to zionism it's a wonderful opportunity to expose who these people are which is basically to your point they're anti-democratic they're actually fascists they believe not in democracy for all suleiman but what i would call bourgeois democracy democracy for the few so there is the realities but this is how the united states has been for a long time i would argue definitely since 1970 when consolidation of incredible amount of power took place in many many institutions of power and since well, just to add to what you're saying because there are a few comments on here and um, when you look at these figures these presidential candidates that you're referring to who basically purported that they were anti-establishment and they got many of us on board for that position because 
we like for myself i'm anti-establishment i'm against the deep state against the military industrial complex against the mainstream media and so the when these candidates were purporting these positions it looked really good on the surface and what's happened is what's ha what's happened now is they've been exposed because when actually when the most major event occurred once again they immediately went to the establishment position and so in reality i agree with you what you're saying that if anything, they got exposed. And that's why someone like Bobby Kennedy does a Twitter space yesterday, and I get bigger numbers than him because he's meant to be a presidential candidate. But the reason we, I, someone like me gets bigger numbers than him is because he's he's been exposed as a fraud now. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you nailed it, man. So that's why I, you know, we have to honor the struggle of the Palestinian people because their sacrifice at this important time in history is exposing in bare view, the true demons here and who they really are. That the, when the mask gets removed, you find out they're all, they're Zionists. They're, they're on the side of evil. So, and you know, in 2020 with Booby Kennedy, I was the first one having to expose him, Suleiman. He supported Hillary Clinton, not once, not twice, three times. And many people are like, oh, Dr. Shiva, you're a scientist, you should work with Bobby. And then I looked at his data, you know, wherever he went, he was supporting imperialists. He supported his own nephew here was for the mask mandates. And I had to put this out. I lost 20% of my followers. Oh, you're attacking Bobby. He's such a good guy. I said, no, he isn't. He supported lockdowns in 2020. And then he stole my material and wrote a book against Fauci acting. So they're all actors. What they have, Suleiman, is they literally have Madison Avenue advertising people who say, okay, you need to be anti-establishment. That's going to be your shtick. Like this guy, Vivek the Snake, right? Or Trump. So they get Madison Avenue slogans, drain the swamp, lock her up, build a wall, right? So it's they, they're never going to do any of these things. It's all about looking at where the wind blows and riding that wind to get into office. And they do imperial activities. You know, they screw over the people. But the Zionist issue is a fascinating issue because it's almost like the uh, lightsaber we wanted. There's an old movie done by a guy called John Carpenter, a 70s movie. It's a fascinating movie. This guy's, uh, he's a construction worker and he finds these uh, glasses, these sunglasses, and he puts them on and he can actually see the people who are devils, right? And the good people. And that's what the, the issue of Zionism is. When you find out someone's position on Zionism, it separates truth from lies. It really tells you who's for humanity, and who actually serves the point oh 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 one percent, and that and it's and and it shows who's on the side of democracy and who's on the side of the oligarchy, fascism, and that's what this is about. And the for me, Suleiman, you know, my journey coming from this lower caste system, you know, since a four-year-old kid, I've been deeply interested in politics. I studied left wing, right wing, and I finally came to the conclusion that we have to take a systems approach. And it took me a long time. You know, I used to teach system science at MIT. And the elites at Harvard University learn system science. Systems theory is a very powerful way. You can use it to manipulate people or you can use it for liberation. And it goes beyond left or right. So that's the way I look at the world. So when I take an issue, I look at it from a systems perspective. So when you look at the issue in Palestine, the only conclusion you come to is that we have to destroy Zionism, period. And you can't be namby-pamby about this. It's a, a, a number of very good friends of mine who are Jewish. They say, you know, when it comes to Zionism, you can't pussyfoot around it. You have to boldly come against it. 
because it is equivalent to Nazism. It is anti-Semitic. It is racism. It's a political ideology. And so the big thing, I think the inflection point is, it's good to see people protest, but many of these protests get hijacked by what I call the liberal elites, that many of them are actually embarrassed that Zionist hoodlums have done this. And, and they want to always keep this uh, Gaza and Palestine in this sort of caged suffering, right? They want to modulate it. So, and I think the real issue is that we have to put Zionism and use those words. And it's not ceasefire now. It should be end the Zionist occupation now of Palestine and America. And the reason that is a very different slogan, because behind it is a key politics that Zionism has no right to Palestine, period. It's not giving one inch to that. Ceasefire now doesn't really do that because they've been, I mean, in brand, you know, 40 years ago, they said ceasefire now. 30 years ago, they said ceasefire now. 20 years ago, they said ceasefire now. And every ceasefire, more and more subjugation has taken place. It gives basically uh, Zionism an opportunity to regroup and figure out how they're going to subjugate people more. So working people in the United States have to rise up and recognize how much Zionism has destroyed the culture in this country, the economics of the United States, the freedom. And you're right. Uh, the democratic, there is no, frankly, democracy in the United States. There is no First Amendment. You know, in 2020, in my lawsuit, when they stole my election in the Senate race, um, I discovered that there's a backdoor portal into Twitter long before Twitter files, Suleiman. I had to file the lawsuit myself. No lawyer wanted to uh, take it on. And I won a federal injunction where we discovered in 2020 that government has a backdoor portal into all these social media companies. And guess where that backdoor portal, that censorship infrastructure was created? At the Kennedy School of Government by a guy called Eric Rosenbach, who heads the Belfer School and, and the Defending Democracy Project. So in this, you know, one mile radius is where most of the criminals are. Most of the war criminals come out of Harvard or particularly out of the Kennedy School of Government. And you can, it's not even six degrees of freedom. It's not even five. It's like a half a degree of freedom. And that's why I think people need to awaken that the swarm, about 10 to 20,000 people who probably even less than that, who really operate this set of institutions, they actually get their training in understanding systems out of institutions, particularly out of institutions like the Kennedy School of Government. And we have to take the battle right into them and they're running right now. So they're, they, they're trying to attack free speech by saying you cannot use from the river to the sea. It's nonsense. Anyone has a right to use that slogan. That's called speech. That's, you know, in 1791, something very important got occurred for all of humanity. It was called the First Amendment in the United States. 3% of the world's population got an opportunity to speak against their government. And it basically said Congress shall pass no law to bridge freedom of speech. On November 16, 2018, Suleiman, to your point on the destruction of democracy, Donald Trump signed into law the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Act. And every member of Congress unanimously signed that, which basically abridged freedom of speech. It allowed this agency to create backdoor censorship infrastructure on social media. That's what's happened. So if you look at my account, you know, in 2020, I would do a tweet, man, and I get 100,000 100, retweets. 
I do a retweet now. I do a tweet now and it gets maybe after I split back on Twitter, maybe 100 retweets. So we have to be very careful. You know, Elon Musk is not a free speech absolutist. He works for government. SpaceX, you know, he got all where Elon Musk begins and government ends. Nobody knows. SpaceX is at the behest of government. Tesla got one point five billion dollar, you know, carbon credits. It would not be worth $600 billion if it wasn't for government. And Twitter gets, you know, Section 230 immunity from government. That's why it gets a 40x on revenue, 40x on revenue, sorry, 10x on revenue valuation. So people should stop looking to Elon Musk as their savior, because I know that I'm in a digital cage right now, because I see other people who claim to be anti-Zionists, who, by the way, would not retweet our flyer. Guys like Jackson Hinkle. He does a lot of fear porn. Overnight, he gets 2 million you know, followers, but it's fascinating. And maybe he'll do it after he hears this, but I do not see him talking about a demonstration right here and now. And to me, you can look at activists two ways. Um, you know, In the apartheid movement, Suleiman, and back in the 1980s, we had the establishment activists, students who were supporting apartheid. They said, oh, we're sending money to the South Africans. You know, blacks were helping them. Then there were the white liberal elite activists. They would say no to apartheid. Let's have peace. And there was this emerging group of us. We said no to apartheid. In fact, apartheid must be destroyed. Very clear on that. And what you recognize is that the liberal activists always want to. They're very much into showing pictures of South African babies being attacked and this. You know, that's easy to do. But they surely do not want a true bottoms-up movement coming that says, let's organize working people. Let's start creating boycotts bottoms-up. They'll talk about it. And we have to be very careful about this because the CIA uh, in the 1960s built a very powerful psychological operation technique called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. Where they did a lot of studies on mammals. You know, I'm a and my PhD is in a field called systems biology. If I keep, uh, and what they did, the studies that they did, Suleiman, was they took mammals and they would give them, they put them under incredible pain. It's very, very horrible experiments. And they would give, uh, let's say dogs, the ability to hit a button to stop the pain. And no, ma- no matter how much they hit the buttons, the pain would never stop. So the dog stopped even hitting the buttons, which means they accepted the torture. They accepted helplessness. So if you keep showing pictures and pictures, and and that's all you do, I'm not saying we shouldn't make people aware, but you don't give people an outlet on how they should fight, then the frontal lobe of of the brain literally remodels and people become learned helplessness. Oh, well, I guess that's just the way it is. I guess that's just the way it is. What's happening in Gaza will happen to us. We just accept it. The Zionists are so powerful, right? You know, Dershowitz is such a powerful academic, right? Harvard is so powerful. And so it's very important that people mobilize bottoms up and we boldly say, you know, end the Zionist occupation, defeat Zionism, destroy Zionism, victory to the Palestinian people, not these namby-pamby slogans. Because when you do the namby-pamby stuff, it doesn't get to the real issue, which is this is stolen land and the United States is occupied. 
Uh, Dr. Shiva, I, mean, I do agree with you point about Elon Musk, and I also agree with a, a lot of points. And in terms of Jack's ankle, though, I do know that his heart is in the right place. He may not know about the outlier, and there might be other reasons for why he's not shared it. In terms of, um, he may have not seen it, but you know, many people reached out to him. But I do know this: that it is a very interesting thing. And and I, you know, a number of us in our movement did a test. We reached out to various people, and you could see people who did it. You know have intersected the fact that you have to be aware and you have to build a bottoms up movement and the people who didn't it's a very interesting phenomenon you know well we'll see it's you know it's up to them yeah it, it is multifaceted because like for example a you may not have seen it and b what it is is with some of these protests if people don't know your background or don't understand or don't, aren't aware of whom you are a lot of these protests as well are hijacked and they're basically used for nefarious purposes and they want people's names attached to it, such as, for example, Jackson Hinkle or someone like my name, to then use that against us to silence, to say, look, that person um, avowed a certain protest that was going to occur, and that protest turns violent, for example, or goes wrong, and then they use that to basically censor or to basically end it. And that's why, for example, many of us don't have the capability to do the extended amount of research, and therefore we, we have to be a bit hesitant until we're able to do so. So there are like a number of factors in there which uh, need to be considered. Like, for example, there was uh, one person who came on one of my spaces and wanted to uh, advertise a protest. Um, and luckily, we just said, look, we don't, we're not, this has nothing to do with us. We have no knowledge about it. And later, we found out it was a protest that was actually essentially created to basically spy on people and get people arrested. Yeah, and so on. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting. You, you see, during the 1960s, the government infiltrated many, many protests. But what is also happening now, Suleiman, uh, with social media, um, based on you know what I discovered out of our lawsuit, things have gotten a little more sophisticated. Those in power create influencers, okay, overnight, overnight. And they have these influencers maybe talk about certain things, almost like moles sitting. And then they'll bring them out uh, when they gather enough followers. So we have to be aware of that. So that's why I'm a big firm believer that the future is offline. Um, you know, in, in our campaign, you know, we get people out on the ground. I really believe in flyers, you know, one page pieces of paper. And I learned this in 1980 that, you know, MIT's student newspaper got a million dollars and we could never compete with them. So we would put up these one page flyers, you know, uh, and the flyers would talk about the fact you know, how there was not enough poor or minority uh, students at MIT and we would, you know, organize that or helping the food service workers. But we get people to put out these flyers. You can see it. It's This flyer has a very interesting graph in there. I don't know if you can see that graph. That's a very, yeah, yeah. that red line and, and the x-axis is years from 1980. That red line is United States life expectancy. You see that? It's going downward. So the U.S., and that's from Kaiser Permanente, which is one of the big insurance companies. The dark gray line is a life expectancy uh, of the other industrialized nations, which is you can all also see is going concave the other way down. The reason I bring this up is this little flyer is what we share with people. And it says a lesser of two evils is killing your children, which means both wings of the Zionist establishment. OK, so in the United States right now, a child's lifespan, life expectancy is less than their adults. It's quite fascinating. And this is not because of vaccines. It's because of a whole system of policies from the income inequality, from the stress. People feel incredible amount of stress right now. 
right? From the food, you could go down the list. And these systems have resulted in literally killing of children at a shorter age. So the same Zionist policies in the United States, which have led to that graph, are the same Zionist policies, which have no regard for killing children in Palestine. And so that intersection is, that awakening is what needs to take place, Suleiman. And that's what... Sorry, sorry continue. What's that? Sorry, I'm, I, I was going to... Sorry, let me, let me... So anyway, I appreciate you joining us. And we are about to wrap up. I do want to give you a chance to just give a shout out to the protest that you're doing tomorrow. So if you want to give people... Yes, so, so, so everyone, so um, Harvard Square, and you can look it up on the map, is uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., November 11th, which is tomorrow, Saturday. Show up there. We will be live streaming it so you guys can see it. But it's good to have people physically there. And the it's going to be an educational opportunity. Harvard Square is a very, very, uh, uh, lots of people will be there. There's a train station there, so we'll be handing out flyers. Um, but our, you know, we'll be having our speaker system. But our goal would be to is to educate people on what happened at Harvard to the students, right? We're going to have working people there, and our goal is to really inspire more working people to come out and support uh, this connection between freeing Palestine and freeing America. And then we're going to march over down the block over to the Kennedy School of Government and also do some more talks there, Suleiman. But again, it's to educate people, and and ultimately. You know, liberation is going to come from education. It's not going to, you know, ultimately education is the most important weapon. Of course, it's the tool of a, a person who's able to use the intellect. Um, now, uh, uh, you mentioned that people can see it on a stream. How, how are they able to watch it online in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, we're going to put it right on uh, my Twitter, VA underscore Shiva or Shiva Ayadurai. You guys can go to my YouTube. Um, so you can go to uh, Twitter. I think we'll put it on... Uh, YouTube and Facebook. All right. And I'll put up a post to do that, to let everyone know where you can see that. And then obviously everyone share it uh, to wherever you want. But our main goal is to go into the belly of the beast, um, which, you know, it's right in the pit of Harvard. Uh, and it's at a very interesting time because the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, has said basically condemning anyone from, frankly, running protests, right? Saying you really shouldn't uh, be using uh, from, um, the river to the sea, which is basically squelching speech. And that's what this is about. And remember, this is at an institution which talks about diversity, talks about free thought. And that's why it's important that we go there, Suleiman, because it, at minimum, it's exposed as a contradiction. And to your earlier point, essentially the destruction of the West, uh, Western quote unquote democracy. And at the center of it is Harvard University, which is the oldest university in the United States. Um, and this is supposed to be the center of knowledge. And by the way, Harvard has $6.8 billion of real estate and doesn't pay any tax. So American taxpayers are funding Zionism in the United States or, or Zionist racist thinking. And that's what we want to elevate people to do. But it's nothing like going right into the heart of it, into the belly of beast, right in behind enemy lines and hitting the mayor, Suleiman. So that's to us doing that itself is victory. Dr. Dr. Shiva, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you having on having us on. Having you, sorry, we really appreciate having you on, um, and we'd love to have you on again. So much appreciate. Thank you so Thanks much. For Thanks for your great work and for all the people out there that you're reaching and educating people. And let's keep doing this, man. But we have to defeat Zionism. And remember, Zionism is racism in the service of imperialism. And we have to declare 
our independence from Zionism. That's what the order is. Every, every human being on this planet, it affects all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. And Dr. Shiva, I would love to have you on again. I appreciate you coming on. And he is so right. Dr. Shiva is so right. Zionism is racism. Zionism is anti-Semitism. He's 100% right in every single thing, in, in, the, in, the, in the argument he made in terms of the Zionist control of the US, in terms of the Zionist control of society, and in terms of the Zionist control of every aspect of society, whether it's the Hollywood and music industry, whether it's government, the deep state, the military industrial complex, uh, the mainstream media. And remember, through all of these avenues, you can have control from a holistic perspective and from an atomized perspective, because essentially, if they're controlling your minds and thoughts through the media, through Hollywood, then they're able to control everything. Guys, we've had an amazing episode. I really appreciate you joining in. I really appreciate you listening. And a big shout out to Angel Tate and Rasha for the spot. Big shout out to everybody for the spot. We really appreciate you listening. Check out Dr. Shiva's protest tomorrow. I believe it probably do it to a live you mentioned and Facebook. So just check out his page. Um, and we are, I forgot to ask him where people can find him, but I know his Twitter page is one place that you can find him. You can be able to check out some of his content on there. He said he's been basically um, deboosted. So that's a way of you checking out what he's up to, what he's saying, how he's speaking against the deep state, how he's speaking against Zionism and check out his uh, views. And we'll have him on future and we can ask him his policy ideas, his ideas for America some of his more atomized ideas and economy and, and, and policy and so on and so forth. So that would be awesome. But guys, appreciate you joining in. Appreciate you listening. And we shall see you next time. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Solomon. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That, 